Good morning, church. No pressure. Trevor says shorter message. I hope he said that for you or said that for me. I don't know, but uh, let's jump right into it, right? If you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word coming from the gospel of Mark as we continue this journey through encountering Jesus in the book of Mark's chapter eight, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and so others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them to not tell anyone about him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, I pray this morning that as we look at this miracle that Jesus performed on the man who was blind, that we would believe today that you have the power to do miracles, the power to transform and change lives. So Father God, speak to us this morning through your Holy Spirit. Move among us and change lives. For your glory, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now today we read about a miracle here in the Gospel of Mark. What is a miracle? Let me give you this definition. When God intervenes in the natural order to do the unexplainable or the unexpected. Miracles achieve a specific purpose and display God's divine power that break the law of physics, the law of nature, and explanation. Now, we may not understand a miracle, but we understand that when a miracle happens, there's no explanation. We, we sometimes find ourselves saying it must be a miracle. Today, we believe in miracles I love what Peter Bellini wrote, uh, who is a professor at United Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. He says, as believers, we take Scripture by reasonable faith and believe what Scripture reveals about God. Angels, demons, heaven, hell, miracles, the supernatural, and other invisible realities. The Bible calls us to believe in a God that we've never seen to believe in a God who saves us from a hell we've never seen, that Scripture offers to us eternal life in heaven that we've never been to. My friends, we walk by faith and not by sight. We believe that this is the Word of God, and God has spoken to us in His Word. Dr. Craig Keener, who is a professor of New Testament at Asbury Seminary, wrote a book called Miracles. He says, while there are miracles that happen every day, in the United States. There are many more miracles that happen in Africa, Latin America, and in Asia. And he asked the question, why? 
Why are more miracles happening in other parts of the world than here in the U.S.? He says, first of all, that life itself is a miracle in those parts of the world. To be alive in the midst of poverty, in the midst of disease, in the midst of revolution, conflict, life is a miracle. But secondly, in those parts of the world, people are much more open to miracles. In our Western world, perhaps even here this morning in Lexington, South Carolina, we are too sophisticated. We are too scientific for miracles to happen. We simply don't believe that they can happen. I'm praying that God will reveal his power today to prove us wrong because I believe that our God is a miracle working God. Our God is a way maker. Our God is a promise keeper. We'll sing that in a few minutes. Keener says, his research shows that at any given time, one million people in the world have either witnessed a miracle or are experiencing a miracle. Now in this room and watching online, there are many needs, many needs for God's divine intervention. No doubt there's incredible needs in our world. But let me, be, let me say this this morning. As it was in Jesus' time, not everybody today will receive a miracle. We need to thank God for the miracles when they happen. We need to thank God for the modern miracles that happen through medicine. Some of the people I prayed for this morning were, were thanking God for the miracles of surgery, the miracles that fixed something in their life, and they were looking for a, an additional power of God to intervene in their life. We need to pray for strength and comfort for those who do not receive a miracle today. Not everybody who met Jesus received a miracle, but there were specific times for specific reasons that he poured out his power. Now, what is the purpose of a miracle? I believe that a miracle gives us a taste of God's power and a glimpse of God's kingdom. I love the words of this song by Jeremy Camp when he talks about there's a time coming There'll be a day. He says, I try to hold on to this world with everything I have, but I feel the weight of what it brings. Anybody relate to that, those words? I feel the weight of what this world brings and the hurt that tries to grab, the many trials that seem to never end. But his word declares this truth that one day we'll enter in this rest. I hold on to this hope and the promise that he brings that there will be a place where there'll be no more suffering. There'll be a day when there are no more tears, no more pain, no more fears. There'll be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more and we'll see Jesus face to face. But until that day, until that day, we'll hold on to you, Jesus, always. See, I believe that miracles remind us that God is with us, that God is with us in this messy and broken world. But also miracles remind us that with him, we have an awesome future, an awesome future. There'll be a day. Now, let me give you some quick teaching points on miracles. Miracles often happen in the presence of others, in the presence of others. Now, miracles can happen when you're all alone, when you're by yourself, but more than not in scripture anyway, miracles happen with others. See, people brought people to Jesus. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Trevor preached, I think, in here, the sermon about the friends, the four friends that bought a, 
brought a man who, who cut a hole in the roof who was paralyzed and they lowered the man down into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus healed him, but he also forgave his sins. See, people bringing people to Jesus. Seven times we find this word in the gospel of Mark that people begged Jesus to do something. In this text this morning, these friends brought the blind man by hand and led him outside the village. I mean, led him to Jesus and begged Jesus to touch him. Touch him, Jesus. Last week, I preached in the uh, sanctuary and the text that we looked at last week on Halloween was the deliverance of the demoniac and the demons begged Jesus not to punish them. The townspeople begged Jesus to leave them alone. The man who was healed begged to go with Jesus. In Mark's gospel, we read about a Gentile mother who begged Jesus to help her daughter. Friends begged Jesus to help a man who was deaf. And here in this passage, friends begged Jesus to heal this blind man. Perhaps you come here today and you're begging Jesus to change my life, to touch my heart, to touch my condition. I prayed with people this morning earlier who were pleading with, with Jesus to take away an addiction, to take away a problem that they were facing in their life. See, I, be, I believe that begging is pleading with a passion. It is the root meaning of supplication. It's when we come before the, before the Lord with, with our hearts and our burdens and we're breaking and we bring them to God and we're seeking God to intervene, divine intervention. Today, we're seeking divine intervention. Psalm 62, eight says, trust in him at all times, not just in the good times, but also in the difficult times. Oh, people, pour out your heart before him. God is a safe place for us. See, pleading is pouring out your heart, pouring out your heart to God. Now, this blind man couldn't find his way to Jesus, and I would assume because he was blind, but his friends brought him to Jesus. Can you take a moment and remember the people, the person that brought you to Jesus when you didn't know how to get to Jesus? For me, it was my neighbor across the street, Jean Edwards. She invited me to a revival and she brought me to Jesus. And there in that service, I heard about Jesus for the first time. And my eyes were open and my life was forever changed. Thank God for the people that bring us to Jesus. Amen. Now, let me just add to that is that I believe that there are people that God is wanting you to bring to Jesus, that they are blind, perhaps spiritually blind, that need to know who Jesus Christ is this morning. Today, we believe that there is power in prayer. And, and you know, when we bring somebody to Jesus, it is an incredible blessing. And I believe this, that nothing makes a person more well than helping another person get well in the name of Jesus. Nothing makes you feel more well than helping another person get well in the name of Jesus. And today, we have people praying for you to get well, whether it's spiritually well, emotionally well, physically well, or well in a relationship. People who have prepared their hearts to pray for you this morning. Friday morning, when I met with about 70 men praying for this service, 
I handed out the names of the people who would be praying this morning. And we prayed for the prayers. We prayed that God would work through them in marvelous and mighty ways. Miracles happen with others. Secondly, miracles are not meant to be spectacles. We're not looking for spectacles today. We're not looking for the spectacular today. Jesus took the man out of town in order to heal his eyes. Now, why did he do that? I think a couple reasons. One is Bethsaida was a home of some of the disciples actually came from there, but it's also a town of scoffers and mockers, a place where Jesus did not do a lot of miracles because of their unbelief. But secondly, I don't think Jesus wanted to make spectators. He wanted to call spirit-filled disciples who would truly surrender their lives to God, not because of some spectacle, but because of the power of God become a follower of Jesus. So today, we're praying for miracles to happen, but we're not trying to create a spectacle. There are going to be four stations in this room where you can come discreetly and quietly and share with what you want us to pray about. You know, miracles that happen today are for the glory of God, and they remind us of God's mercy and God's faithfulness. Now, also, I say to you this morning that miracles can happen suddenly, but often happen in stages, in stages. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Now, what was going on? Did Jesus not have enough power the first time he touched the man that he had to touch him a second time? I don't think so. I believe that Jesus was trying to teach probably his disciples a lesson that spiritual clarity and spiritual vision takes some time. You're not going to see everything clearly when you first receive your sight. I know when I became a believer, I didn't fully understand what I understand today. You know, years ago, I think it was about 15 years ago or so, uh, I went in to see Dr. Milne to have LASIK surgery done on my eyes. And I'd been wearing glasses since I was seven years old, and I was pretty much, without my glasses, I was lost. And I'd been wearing contacts for a long time, and, and I had monovision, right eye for a distance, uh, left eye for, for close-up, reading, those kinds of things. So when I went in to see Dr. Milne, he, the surgery's amazing, LASIK, and that, this was 15 years ago, and it took three minutes an eye, right? Three minutes an eye. And he said, now you're going to be a little fuzzy, a little unclear at times for a while. And so sure enough, I mean, I could see, immediately I could see better but it was still kind of fuzzy and unclear. And so as the days went on, it got better and better. But my right eye, I just really couldn't still see like I thought I should see. So I went back to see Dr. Milne, strong believer in Jesus, since passed into the glory, uh, passed away from cancer. But what a, what a great healer he was. And he said to me this, i never forget this. He says, well, he says, it's kind of like a long putt. He said, the first putt, I got really close. Now we got to go back and tap it in. He said, I got to do the procedure again so you can see more clearly in your right eye. And so he did this procedure again, which wasn't much fun, but he did the procedure again. And when he got done, I could see 2015 in my right eye. And so I was pretty excited, but healing happens in stages. On my wrist, I have two uh, blue bands that says Team Stephanie on them and Prayer Moves Mountains. These bands remind me to pray for Stephanie Malone, who is a dear friend, also on our staff here, 
and she was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer, stage four cancer. And I put these bands on three years ago. Three years ago, I started wearing these bands and I've not taken them off. Now, praise be to God, in her last uh, scan, she is cancer-free, amen? amen? We can celebrate that, we can celebrate that. And, and, and not because I wore these bands, but because many, many, many people prayed for her. And I just wear these bands to remind me that God's still working in her life and that God is still moving in her life and that God still answers prayer. And we believe that today. I love what 1 Corinthians 13 says. Now we see things imperfectly. Anybody agree with that? We see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we'll see everything with perfect clarity All that I know know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. See, my friends, we don't always see things clearly, but it comes in stages. Peter's confession in this text that Jesus, you're the Messiah. We know that he said those words, but he didn't fully understand those words. In fact, a few weeks later, he denied he even knew who Jesus was. And it wasn't until the resurrection of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit upon his life, did he fully have clear vision of who Jesus is? I will tell you this this morning about miracles, that miracles are for spiritual understanding more than they are for physical and emotional help. That Jesus is more concerned about the walk than he is the wow. He's more concerned about the walk than he is the wow. Jesus' purpose in miracles is to bring spiritual health. And Jesus never wasted a miracle. It always resulted in life transformation, a greater divine purpose for the person and for the kingdom of God. You know, miracles are meant to meet our deepest need, not our greatest wants. Did you hear that? Miracles are for our deepest needs and not our greatest wants. Now, Jesus tells the man to go home that he healed, but don't go back to the village. Now, why did he not want him to go back to the village? Perhaps because Jesus didn't want the man's new faith derailed by scoffers, mockers, and doubters. See, when God does something great in our life, sometimes we've got to change our company because our company will try to derail the work that God is doing in our life. Jesus was more concerned about his spiritual health than him becoming a spectacle to the town. Many years ago, I went to Haiti on a mission trip. And my last day there, I went to the market and I, and I bartered and, 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 and I bought this really, really beautiful mahogany statue that stood about this tall. The, the, the person, the statue had a little hat on and it was a pretty cool statue, had you know, his arm so I could carry it by the arm. And, I, and I, after I bought it, then I started thinking how I was going to get it back on the plane, right? So I got this statue, this beautiful statue, and I I finally get it on the plane, and I get it back home, and I set it in my office in Conway in the corner. And then I noticed that, I didn't notice at the time, but, but I was sick all the time. I had a cold, sore throat, runny nose. Lynn would say, you need to go to the doctor, and I'd go to the doctor, and you prescribe an antibiotic. And I just stayed sick all winter. Well, that spring, we had a missionary uh, come to the church, and he came back to my office, and he says, hey, pastor, let me ask you a question why do you have a voodoo statue in your office? I'm going, a voodoo statue? He said, that is a voodoo statue. I grabbed the statue, took it out, and burned the statue. Now, I needed to make a change in my life. 
if I was going to get to feeling better, right? There are things in our lives that we admire, that we're attracted to, that we put up on a pedestal, but they're making us sick. They're making us sick. And to receive healing, we've got to remove them from our lives. So when you come this morning for healing, spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing, perhaps the Holy Spirit's going to say, now, when you get home, take that out of your life. Take that away. Finally, I would say to you that miracles lead to stories and stories lead to salvation. You know, Jesus told this man not to go back into the town. Go to your home. And don't you know that he told all of his family that he could now see? Don't you know he told his friends? Look what Jesus did for me. And now 2,000 years later, we're talking about this man because of his story for glory, the glory of God. You know, my favorite song right now, other than all the songs the worship team sings, but my next favorite song is a song by Cain, and the name of it is Yes, He Can. And the tagline is, yes, he did, so yes, he can. Don't you know that was the, the blind man's story? Yes, he did. I was blind, but now I can see. And yes, he did, so yes, he can. In my life, he changed my life. Yes, he did. Can he change your life? Yes, he can, because yes, he did. Amen? We believe because of what God has done, what God is doing, God is still doing. And God wants to do in your life today and in my life today. Yes, he did, so yes, he can. See, I want you to know today that no problem is too big for God. No problem. Whether your problem is spiritual, emotional, physical, relational. And hear me when I say this this morning. If you hear nothing else I say, hear this. Sometimes the greatest healing we receive is to be able to stand up under the pain to encourage and support someone else. The first time I heard Jeremy's camp song, There Be a Day, was when I did my brother-in-law's funeral, Ernest Porter, who died of Lou Gehrig's disease. And one of the bravest things I've ever heard from Ernest was when he was sitting in the doctor's office at Duke Hospital with his wife and the doctor told him that you have ALS. He turned to his wife and said, I'm thankful it's me and not you. And Ernest spent the next seven years of his life being strong in the Lord, bearing witness to God's goodness. In fact, when they did a video, Coastal Carolina came and did a video of his life and they asked, what do you want to call your video? And he says, call it the luckiest man in Conway because God is using me to make a difference in people's lives. I was reading in 2 Corinthians this week, all praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus, the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes along us when we go through hard times and before you know it, he brings us along someone else, alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. And we get a full measure of that today. Today, we believe in the full measure 
of God's healing power. Amen? Power that can be sudden. Power that can come in stages. And power, healing power that makes saints. Because my friends, sometimes it's instantly, sometimes it's gradually, and sometimes healing for earnest came in eternity. It came in resurrection. I know that God is working here today. I want to begin our time of prayer by praying right now for the people that are watching online. I want you to join me in praying for them. Wherever they are, whether they're watching, well, you're watching in your home or you're watching, uh, listening in your car, we know you have hurts. Would you join me in praying right now for the people watching and listening online? Father God, right now, we invite your Holy Spirit to move in someone's life, in someone's home, someone's living room, in someone's car. Lord God, they're hurting physically, they're hurting spiritually, they're hurting emotionally. They have a relationship that is broken. And I pray that right now, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would touch their heart, touch their life, touch their situation. Father, we thank you for the comfort that you bring. And I pray for your comfort to come this morning, right now. Father God, as we begin here in this room, across this campus, to pray for you to do miracles, we do so with the faith that moves mountains, believing that you can do anything. And we ask all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, we're going to begin this time of praying and we're going to be four stations, two in the front, two near the back. And as you feel the Lord leads you to go to one of those stations to be prayed for, come and pray. If you, you may want to come and pray for someone else. We had one of the most blessings, greatest blessings this morning for me was we had two young men that came and they said, we're coming to pray for our grandfather. And I said to them as a grandfather, God, give me some grandsons and granddaughters that'll pray for me. Maybe God's calling you to come and pray for someone today. So let's move into the Lord's presence. Father God, we invite you to move. We invite you to take us where you want to take us. Touch us the way you want to touch us. Bless us as you want to bless us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.